Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk. First, let me say thank you so much for being a listener. Now, I want to alert you to our shiny new podcast website located at podpage.com. However, you can go directly to the podcast site located at www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. There, you can contact me through email. You can leave a voice message. You can leave a review. You can read an episode blog and frequently learn about the podcast guests. You might also want to suggest podcast topic ideas or even suggest a guest. You can also let me know if you would like to receive our podcast listener logo that you can post on your social media. So I look forward to hearing from you about our new podcast website, www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Public Relations Review Podcast and have a great day. Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk, producer and host of the Public Relations Review Podcast. When I conceived this program, my idea was to provide public relations practitioners with a wide variety of solid, useful information and guidance from public relations professionals across America. And we are doing that. I will continue to cover important topics such as crisis communications and artificial intelligence and other such important topics. But I will also address other issues such as diversity in public relations, marketing to women, public relations trends, various data concerns, and much more. From time to time, I will also invite vendors of public relations products on to help you better understand how these products can improve your efficiency and your effectiveness. You will learn a lot from our podcast, so thank you for listening, and please inform your colleagues about the Public Relations Review Podcast and continue listening. Thank you so very much. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast, and thank you to listeners across America and around the world. Question. Do you, as PR professionals, experience workplace stress and disengagement on the job? Well, according to an article in O'Dwyer's PR News, every person has experienced the workplace stress that develops in this volatile and unpredictable profession. Public relations professionals undertake their daily responsibilities amid unprecedented technological change and shifting marketplace expectations. In a a cultural era in which truth seems to be continually under attack. Now, recently, the University of Alabama's Planck Center for Leadership in Public Relations, their report card described sharp perceptual difference between public relations leadership and the rank and file. Women, the findings showed, are particularly susceptible to being, quote, less engaged, less satisfied with their jobs, less confident in the work cultures, and more critical of top leaders, unquote. The unresolved stress that public relations people deal with daily and the challenges presented by the arrival of Generation Z, and we'll talk about them as well, 
necessitating a more thoughtful and systematic approach to the nature of public relations work itself. That strategy is mindful engagement, an approach that's applied throughout many other sectors of the business workplace and in many Fortune 500 companies. So, my guest today is the author of that article, Dr. Doug Swanson, an APR, and he's Professor of Communications at California State University at Fullerton, where he joins us from today. So, Doug, just how bad is the disengagement in the public relations world? And then, what corrective actions do you suggest we take? Well, Peter, I think we all know uh, from our own personal experience how bad things can get in the workplace. We've all been there, and, and you've touched on a lot of these issues in your past podcasts, uh, time management, reputation management, artificial intelligence. Uh, as we sit here today, we're in the throes of coronavirus, and I just spent an hour and a half on email uh, answering questions about what's going to happen at our university if we pull the plug on classes. So there's a lot of stresses in the environment. How bad is it? We don't know. And the reason we don't know from a mindfulness perspective is this is a topic that is just not on the radar screen in public relations. I did a pilot study uh, in the past year, finished up a little more than a year ago, and I asked public relations practitioners if their workplace was mindful. 36% said yes, 38% said no, and 25% were not sure. So the vast majority of practitioners who I surveyed don't know if their workplace is mindful, but they gave me all kinds of comments about the stress and anxiety that they face. And, and, and I'll, just, I'll just read one comment to you. And the comment was, if you feel bad, you bury it to be a good employee. Ouch. That I was about hurt. to say, that you does know, not that sound hurt. good at all. That does not sound good at all. Yeah. So we don't know how bad it is, and that's part of my um, interest in researching this topic. I want to bring our attention to it. So now that you've discovered that it's there, uh, and you mentioned that uh, other organizations have found solutions to it, what are some of the solutions to help people become more engaged uh, in their jobs? I think the solution for all of us, regardless of whether your workplace is wonderful or not so wonderful, I think the, the solution for all of us is to think about ourselves and our reaction to the stresses at work. As PR people, we're all storytellers. And I think, unfortunately, the story we often tell about our life at work is that it's stressful and awful and oh my god I have so many deadlines and I don't have enough time and I don't know and I and then and then that just accelerates and it's like a snowball rolling downhill and so to approach work mindfully means being in the present moment right now dedicating as much time and attention as I can to the present moment right now and not telling myself these stories in my head about how bad things are because that is not going to help me. Quick question. Now, has there been any effort to determine or when you talk to these folks and they look at what they think is a bad situation or too much stress, how they arrive at that 
Is it because maybe they aren't as efficient as they could be? They're not as organized as they could be? Some of those things that are easily correctable? I think that is a possibility. But the way I'm approaching my interest in this is from the perspective not of how could I make myself more efficient, but rather how am I thinking about my work right now? Okay. And and am I focusing on what is most important right now? Or, and the, the phrase is the monkey mind, is, is the monkey mind in my head jumping around back and forth between, oh, what I should have done yesterday, and oh, tomorrow if I'll only do that better, and oh, she said this to me at lunch, and oh, I can't believe somebody hasn't cleaned out the fridge again, my gosh. <laughs> and, and we have to tame that monkey mind if we're going to get ourselves under control in terms of our approach to work. Now, getting ourselves under control, how do we go about doing that? Because some of the things, as I heard you just describe, some of those can be attributed to individuals' personal habits or work habits or how they go about doing things or maybe even insecurities. So how should we begin to get some of these uh, issues taken care of? I'll I'll tell you what works for me, and I'll tell you that uh, everybody everybody has to find their own way. But one way that works for me is finding a little bit of stillness every day. At the beginning of my day, to just sit, and some people meditate, other people, you know, go for a walk, other people, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it. But find that place of stillness at the beginning of your day, and just determine for yourself that you're not going to let the events and activities and the stimulus that comes at you throw you off uh, as much as you can possibly avoid it. And then in the midst of a stressful situation at work, and I do this quite often myself, get up, go for a little walk, take three minutes and just go for a quiet walk and, and calm yourself down calm down the monkey mind, then come back to your desk and go back to work. I think that is that is something that a lot of people could use to really help them focus and stay mindful. Now, have you noticed, as, as you made this study, have you noticed any uh, areas that it happens more so than others? In other words, maybe younger people suffer with this or go through this more so than more mature people because they lack the confidence or something along those lines. Have you noticed differences between people who have and don't have uh, the disengagement? That That's probably a good uh, lead in for Gen Z. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But when I, when I surveyed practitioners in my pilot study, I used the mindful attention awareness scale. And it's a set of 15 questions that are asked about the workplace and how you react to them. And here are the four areas where public relations professionals, and I only surveyed PRSA members, here are the four areas where people scored the lowest, meaning they were the least mindful. And I'll read the statements. I go to places and then wonder why I went there. I find myself preoccupied with the future or the past. I find myself doing things without paying attention. And the last is, I snap without being aware I'm eating. 
those are the four things that brought about the most mindless responses from practitioners. So mm. that's what we're doing. <laughs> well, now, have you been able to approximate just how widespread this is in terms of uh, of the totality of uh, of public relations people? I mean, are we looking at ten percent or five percent or thirty percent? Just just how widespread is this? That's and that is, as they say, that's something for future research. Okay. <laughs> we don't okay. we don't really know. <laughs> um, but but I think we can all say it's everywhere. Based on our own personal experience, it's everywhere. I can tell you that across the business world, there there have been studies showing that across the business community, one billion dollars is spent every year on mindfulness training alone of employees. So a lot of those Fortune 500 companies and a lot of smaller organizations understand now that we really have to train people to approach their work mindfully because mm -hmm. if we don't, their little monkey minds are going to be jumping around and, and they're not going to be productive and they're going to be stressed out and that's going to lead to career burnout and, and we don't want to do that. So a lot of money is being spent on mindfulness training. Now, when you say mindfulness training, exactly what's involved in that to, to cure some of these uh, irregularities in our work performance? Good question. Uh, good question, Peter. There's a lot of different methods, and primarily what we're talking about is secular mindfulness training. So this is, this is not religious. It is not uh, praying in your office. It's not turning out the lights, lighting a candle, and putting cucumber slices on your eyes. <laughs> it's not any of that. Um, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Just in case you were cutting up a cucumber, you could stop. <laughs> <I see>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what, it, what we're talking about is finding more effective ways to deal with the stress. We're not talking about pretending the stress isn't there. We're not talking about trying to erase things that are happening in the workplace. We're finding ways that we individually can more effectively deal with that stress. One of the methods, and probably the best-known method, is John Kabat-Zinn uh, out of Massachusetts, his mindfulness-based stress reduction technique. And it's, it's, it's about relaxation. It's about breathing. It's about taming that monkey mind so that it's not jumping around to all the things you ought to do, should have done, could have done. It's not that, you know, it's not that. So it's about staying focused right here, right now, and strategically planning what you need to work on right now and not getting yourself thrown off course by every other thing that crosses your radar screen. So somebody in the company needs to be aware that these things are happening. So if, as you said, someone wanted to squash it or just brush it aside and uh, just leave it there, then the problem doesn't go away. It's just subterfused for the, until they can get out of there. So how does one yeah. go about fixing or at least encouraging people to have that discussion to say, look, I am having a problem or we are having these problems and we need to get something done about this. Oh, that's, that's great. I, I think it has to come from leadership and, and leadership has to say, yes, this is a stressful business. Yes, this is a changing business. How can we work together leadership as well as 
the, the, the followers, everybody in the organization, how can we work together to be productive without causing ourselves undue anxiety and stress? Mm -hmm. And I think it has to be something that, that works through the entire organization. Even though mindfulness is really me, it's very much individual, it's me thinking about how I'm going to approach work, I think organizational leadership has to take this on and say, Yes, mindfulness is individual, and each one of us has to individually work on this, and the organization has to support yeah. it. Well, because I think we all know that there's going to be stress. So many jobs have stress. I mean, when those deadlines uh, get close and everything is not where it needs to be, obviously the stress kicks in. But we understand that, and but we also need to realize, and I guess the leadership needs to realize, that we might have to take a break to let, let some of the steam off or calm ourselves down, as you said, sit somewhere quietly for a few minutes and meditate to, you know, so that the wheels don't come off while we're in this process. Yes, yes. And you know something else? We've all been in organizations where we've felt like the organization has taken on too much. And there's a, a workplace coach by the name of Jay Ellard, and I've, I've read some of his work, and he talks about a strategic no. Sometimes we just have to voice that strategic no in terms of taking on something new. Here's a quote from Jay Ellard. A strategic no can mark the beginning of a thoughtful, intentional conversation about workload, role definition, and office dynamics. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes when, when the organization, and, and this happens a lot in higher education, we're asked to take on more tasks, more responsibilities. At some point, uh, leadership and, and employees have to offer a strategic no and say, no, we're not going to do that. We have enough on our plate right now. Um, we're not going to take on more things just for the sake of taking on more. So there, there has to be that conversation, too. Well, and, and, and it sounds like a good idea because I think leadership should also understand the consequences of people taking on more than they can handle effectively because, one, depending on what the job is, uh, the outcome of that job under stress might be poor performance, and that's not going to look good uh, for clients or, or for the individual performing it. So I think leadership has to understand how to how to moderate that sort of thing, how to deal with it, and understand that I'm not being uh, uh, belligerent. I'm just suggesting that if for me to perform my best, I need to have some comfort space or whatever, however you want to define it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Part of my work is uh, being a, a faculty supervisor of our student-run public relations agency, Practical Advantage Communications. And working with students who are working with real-world clients in the agency, I tell students on the outset, no more than three goals to a campaign. Three is it. Because I know that students can't handle more than that in a semester of time. And I would rather have students work toward three goals with the client and meet those goals and do do the work really well than lay out six or seven goals at the beginning of the campaign mm -hmm. and not make, not meet them. Makes sense to me. Well, one of the other things I mentioned in the open here is uh, Generation Z. So let's explain exactly what Generation Z is and why does it cause anxiety. 
Okay, and and let me let me preface by saying I'm not talking about every person in this in this age group. I'm just going to talk about generalities about Generation Z. Generation Z, we're talking about people who are were born in the mid to late '90s through the early 2000s. This is the largest cohort group in higher education today. So these are the people I'm dealing with in my undergraduate classes every day, mm-hmm. and. And Generation Z, as a whole, thinks completely differently from the generations that have gone before it. The, these are the students who came up, uh, who, who were reared by their parents with play dates and organized activities, and mom and dad planned everything. And these were the students who came through school under No Child Left Behind, where they creativity was not a focus. A focus was memorizing information and putting the right answers on the test so the scores would be high and the school would be politically and economically rewarded. Mm -hmm. So this is the generation that approaches everything. They're really good with a lot of things. Generation Z is really good with technology. These people have never known a time without technology. They've never had to go to a card catalog in a library. (laughs) They don't know what that is. If you gave them a rotary dial phone, they wouldn't know what to do with it. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, there are things that Generation Z is really good at, but there are also things that they're not generally really good at, and a lot of those fall into the category of soft skills. Mm -hmm. Some examples quick from my experience. When I ask students to, in my student-run agency, to pick up the phone and call the client, they're scared. They don't want to do that. They even, they know the client. They've met the client. They don't want to pick up the phone and call because they don't know what might happen. They'd rather send a text. If, I, if, if we're talking about how we're going to word a, a strategic vision statement, the students will say, can you give us an example? Because it's hard for them to just start putting words down on paper. They don't like to organize things. They're averse to that. They want to get the assignment done. They don't want to spend time organizing. And I'm like from the generation that goes, no, no, no. We organize first and then we write. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so that's this generation. And because this generation thinks and works so differently, employers have to be ready. These are the people being graduated from our colleges and universities. Now, these are the entry-level folks that you're hiring, and you can't expect them to think and work like you do, because if you do, you'll be very disappointed, and they will be very frustrated. So how have employers begun to adjust to these uh, new generation Zers coming into the workplace? How have they had to adjust their work schedule, their work habits to make sure that the work still gets done under those circumstances? I think that the a couple things that employers can do and, and are doing, the first one is make sure Generation Z employees understand the big picture. Show them how their work fits in with everything else. If you don't do that, they're not going to understand why it's important to do what it is they're doing. Mm-hmm. I think it's also important to let them have a voice in the decision-making. It could be that your new Generation Z hire doesn't really fit well in a nine-to-five framework. Okay, what is it that will work for them? Have that discussion and allow them part of the decision-making so that you can Find the structure that allows them to 
contribute and thrive and really appreciate what they're doing. Well, you know, one of the strong points of a PR firm, of course, is their ability to come up with creative ideas to help uh, solve uh, uh, solutions or provide solutions to client uh, concerns. How do they perform in cr- uh, creative thinking s- settings, or should they just should you just begin to ease them into it so they can see what the process is and begin to develop that themselves as well? I'll tell you how we have worked on things in our, our student-run agency. I find myself now a lot more hands-on with students than I was six or eight years ago. We do the vast majority of our content creation in Google Drive so that I can be in there looking at it and commenting on it and mm-hmm. editing it with the students okay. so that they understand what it is I'm looking for and why I'm looking for it. And then we do a lot of comparison back and forth. Okay. The client said this, this is the email. See where they said that. Now let's see if we can address it this way. And so, you know, um, there's a lot of that hands on attention now that I didn't provide six or eight years ago. And I do it so that the students understand the process involved and they can kind of see the mapping out of this work. The client said this, our research says this, this is our first draft, why won't this work? Let's create another draft. Now, all that kind of mapping is really important because Gen Z needs to see the process. Okay. Well, Doug, this has been a great conversation now that I also understand uh, mindful engagement. I'm going to make sure that I uh, keep that in mind as I approach projects and are there any sort of closing remarks you would like to make about uh, reaching that fulfillment in terms of mindful engagement? What I would say to any professional is, if you're feeling stressed out, if you're feeling anxious, explore mindfulness. Explore it. Uh, there's lots of books on it. Um, the, the most recent statistic shows 14% of Americans have a dedicated mindfulness practice. Find it. Find what works for you. If there's no one-size-fits-all, find what works for you. Find that time for stillness in your day. Find time to unplug from your media devices. Find the time when you're in the middle of a stressful project to get up and just go for a walk a little bit and just kind of calm the monkey mind. Find what works for you. Oh, another thing I would add is unplug from divisive, angry, noisy social media uh, or or any kind of media. You know, sometimes I'm driving to work in the morning and stop at a stoplight and the car coming up next to me has got, you know, music playing. It's going boom, 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 Mm -hmm. angry words. And I think, oh, man, you are setting yourself up to go into work angry because that what you're listening to. Ooh, that's angry. So find that time in your day, because when you find that, it will help your day go smoother and it will lower your stress level. And I know listeners will say, find that time. I can't find that time. And I would say, that's the monkey mind telling you, you can't find the time. Yes, you can. You have to find the time for the sake of your own sanity. You have to find it. Well, Doug Swanson, I certainly thank you for bringing this to my attention and obviously to the attention of our listeners. And uh, I'd like to, again, thank you for being a guest on our show and uh, bringing this to our attention because, as I said, you've certainly gotten mine. 
And uh, to our listeners, I'd also like to say thank you for listening and hope that you'll take advantage of this information and also continue to listen to the uh, Public Relations Review podcast. Have a great day. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Hi, this is Peter Woolfolk speaking. Now, first of all, thank you so very much for listening to the podcast. Now, I am very excited to let you know that the podcast is now available on Amazon Alexa. You know the drill. Simply say, Alexa, play Public Relations Review Podcast, and she'll take it from there. And again, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the program, please become a subscriber. Now, on to the podcast.